here on the 11th of October, 2023. Your host, Mark Anderson, trying a new headphone and mic set. And I hope I'm coming through warmly, loudly, and clearly. I want to thank Ron Avery for him filling in for me. Uh, it's been a tough time. My, I'll dedicate today's show to Catherine Anderson. Uh, if I've done this before, I'm doing it again. Uh, my great mom, who passed September 15th, and the um, aftermath of that has been led to some activities and things that had to be tied up, loose ends, that kind of thing. And, of course, mourning her passing. She lived till 95. And she's a big reason I'm the way I am. She questioned everything. I sometimes called her the original conspiracy theorist. And she actually earned that title quite readily. Interesting, interesting. She spoke to a Club 20, a women's group, a very quiet kind of meek women's group back in the mid-1960s or so, and she addressed them about a false flag operation involving Cuba and the United States. You can imagine the consternation and indigestion that these ladies must have had upon hearing that from my mom uh, when they're used to discussing knitting and recipes and, at best, local politics. So again, hats off to mom, Catherine the Great, I call her, and she is a great lady because I believe we live on of course uh, we're not has-beens at the time of death it's just another phase that, that we go through anyway lots in the news of course uh, I can talk mostly today I'm not joined by Ron Avery by the way he had some things he had to tend to so I'm solo today but I can share some things about the WHO the World Health Organization I've been covering some of their events um, as a reporter virtually uh, having signed up uh, to be part of the press corps, and you don't have to be there in New York or Geneva. You can just sign on through Zoom or WebEx if you're approved, and you're a member of the press, and then I've been covering a lot of their events. And one of the things to keep crystal clear in our minds right now is we have a lot of things to distract us. Yes, they're worth knowing about. They're worth learning about. They're important watershed events in many ways, such as what's going on in Israel and Palestine right now. And that whole conflict, it's erupting once again. And this is another chapter of it with some differences, of course, some rather dramatic differences. And as important as those things are, and other issues you hear about around the United States and across the world, we got to keep in mind that it is absolutely imperative that we prevent the creation of a world pandemic treaty and the fruition, the ultimate fruition of the amendments of the international health regulations. And uh, I'll ask Julie how I'm sounding so far, dot, dot, dot. I'm apparently sounding okay with my new headset here. I'm actually a used one. At any rate, the... Um, the situation is such where it's getting very urgent because the delegates who are operating on this thing with the international health regulations, what you have is the working group of the international health regulations, the WGIHR, and they're working on those regs. Those regs were first created in 1969, and they've been tweaked 2005, etc. 
but now they're looking at a major overhaul. There were some amendments that were given at least a preliminary green light in May of 2022, and those are still on the table, but I understand there's well over 300 amendments looking at being approved. And according to James Roguski, who's an independent L.A. researcher who's been looking into this even more than I have, and that's saying something, the international health regulations, which run on a parallel track to the developing treaty, are at least as onerous as the treaty might turn out to be. And in fact, the real tyranny and the real return of the COVIDocracy, God help us if it ever happens, would stem more from the health regulations than it would from the World Pandemic Treaty. Although, again, it is, it is imperative, regardless of our issues of interest at this given time, that we all uh, unite behind the need to defeat the creation of that World Pandemic Treaty and the IHR. I cannot even stress how important that is. Uh, Tedros Ghebreyesus, the Director General of the World Health Organization, um, is saying the next pandemic is not a question of if, it's only a question of when. Many other UN and WHO delegates are saying the same thing. Keep in mind, too, that the World Health Organization is part of the UN system. It is part and parcel of the same thing. So they will basically operate on the same philosophy and worldview. Now, a lot of critics of what I'm saying, all sorts of uh, mainstream media, uh, parts of the mass media cartel syndicate, they'll say, well, the Mark Andersons and Ron Averys and other RBN hosts and other critics of the world, uh, critics of the World Health Organization are just conspiracy theorists. We read things into things. We see things that aren't there. Now, there are some instances where WHO documents uh, the proposed language of the treaty, which is out there, the uh, amendments such as they are, which is out there, will at first glance sound as if state sovereignty, uh, medical consent on a national and individual level, including consent to receive a vax or a jab, that that will be upheld and protected. There are times when you'll read it and it sounds like that's true. And then you'll find other passages where it is kind of cryptic and sounds like, well, we all have to come together and we have to, you know, lock hands and defeat all these scourges, all these uh, pandemics and, and uh, plagues that might, that might come and haunt us. And we need to do whatever it takes. And so what they don't say is whatever it takes could mean compromising our liberties. But then we have to keep in mind, and this is the most important part, that since the WHO is part of the UN system, the UN does not view human rights in the same way as the founders of America did. The UN sees human rights as revocable, negotiable privileges. And of that, you can be absolutely certain. And so since the WHO is part of the UN system, you see the problem. You might get assurances from different individuals or committees or agencies within this system that medical choice at the national and individual level will be protected. But if you look back in the UN's history, the, UN's, the UN Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, the UN Charter itself, it, it says that, you know, and this is a paraphrase, yes, your rights will be recognized unless those rights collide with international law. 
that kind of big, huge exception. So every time you read about a UN document talking about rights, there's this um, virus in the system, if you will, which is quite ironic. So this is my main opening message today, and it's really kind of the takeaway for today in many respects. Don't get too distracted by what's going on in Israel. Don't get too distracted by what's going on with the Trump indictments, this, that, and the other thing. Um, The bellwether issue, the issue we need to think about every day and come together on and have unification on is the defeat of the World Pandemic Treaty and the IHR, or at least the IHR could be significantly cut back, given a real haircut, if you will. But the treaty itself must not allowed, must not be allowed, that is, to come into existence. Um, December 1st is one of the major deadlines to get your voice out there on the international health regulations. Now, there's a, there's a twist to this issue. The world, the working group for the IHR, the, the ones that are doing the international health regulations, and the, the World Pandemic Treaty is being worked on by the Intergovernmental Negotiating Body, the INB. Well, the, the WGIHR, members of that, are supposed to obey Article 55 of the regulations themselves. And Article 55 says that the state parties, the ones that are involved in working out this worldwide body of international health regulations, are supposed to get four months or more of time to review the regulations at a given point in time before they say yay or nay. Well, what's coming out of the uh, working group now is that they're saying, well, we can, we can um, instead of stopping in January of 2024 and giving four months up until about May for the state parties to review this, they're, they're basically saying we're just going to keep going after January and keep tweaking it and at the same time, we'll, we'll sort of see how the state parties feel about it. So they're trying to have it both ways. But this runs against the spirit and letter of Article 55. And so you can see the uh, way the machinations work here. Their basic reasoning is that the working group is, a, is too much of a subunit, too much of a subunit to the World, World Health Assembly to be worried about being spot on with respect to Article 55. And so that's the chicanery that they're up to. Uh, And this kind of shows their true colors. They're very manipulative. Uh, These coercive utopians, as the late great columnist Joe Sobrin used to call them, the coercive utopians are hard at work. Um, After the first break or after the bottom of the hour, I'll have some contact information with which uh, with to share with which you can um, call and email certain people. Of course, it's a good idea to contact your U.S. Senator because they have to consent to all treaties. But another little trick in the WHO book is that they don't want to specifically call the pending treaty a treaty. And this is probably because it takes the issue sort of out of sight of the U.S. Senate, which is constitutionally uh, required to consent to all treaties that the United States enters into. So probably trying to get the Senate to take its eye off the ball or not pay attention, 
they call it an accord, or they call it the treaty instrument. But they seem to steadfastly avoid the word treaty. So it's an important matter. Uh, really, it's the overriding matter in terms of importance of our time. Um, because the first pandemic crackdown, I call it the COVIDocracy, the bureaucracy and the crackdown that came out of the so-called pandemic. The first one was bad, but I think most of us would agree it was just a test run. They were testing the waters. Just what will Americans tolerate? Just how much um, uh, of a despotism will the American people put up with? Uh, a stress test, if you will. And I think the American people pushed back pretty well. And this is probably why they're um, taking a long time and trying to get all of this to kind of uh, fly from our memories. In other words, go long enough, extend the treaty negotiations out long enough, hoping that people will start to sort of forget and become complacent again. But of course, our job as listeners and hosts of RBN is to make sure that complacency doesn't come back because that complacency arguably would be even more dangerous than the crackdown itself because it, it uh, lays the groundwork and primes the pump for what would be another crackdown for what the officials are saying would be the pandemic is not a question of if it's only a matter of when they've already messed with the bird flu. There were some preliminary shots over the bow of, of the people of this world. Oh, the better part of a year ago, maybe nine months ago where it was suggested that bird flu could be even worse than quote, the COVID-19 pandemic unquote. And that was one of the trial balloons. I haven't seen much about that lately as the proposed next pandemic. Um, it's like they plan them, right? But um, that is one candidate still, even if it is not being mentioned a lot, although I don't think it appeared to be real credible. They may have retracted that one while they searched for other funguses and who knows what, where they can say, well, we have a few cases in Guyana, we have a few cases in the Cong Congo, suddenly we have a few cases in Denmark, Germany, and then it has to hit a threshold called the PHEIC, -E a public health emergency of international concern, the PHEIC, then it can be declared a pandemic. And that's a declaration that we cannot allow to happen again. And this will set the globalists back a long ways if they can't get this treaty through because they're, they're using a lot of resources and spending a lot of time and uh, a lot of jawing, a lot of uh, jibber-jabbering to try and get this thing hobbled together. And so the people, of course, outnumber these globocrats um, very significantly, and uh, it's just a matter of getting the word out. So share links to today's show with others. And again, either after the next break or probably more like after the bottom of the hour, I'll have some contact info and some other uh, ideas that we can all adopt to try and bring this um, more out in the open so they cannot engineer another one of these despotic um, pandemic crackdowns or whatever you want to call it. And so uh, very important. And... Um, Anyway, 
the uh, the issues are myriad out there, and we got about three minutes before the next break. I'm going to um, share some other headlines when I get a chance, but of course I will uh, accept calls after the bottom of the hour, and to uh, that'll be very helpful. You, uh, maybe you have uh, views on the Israeli situation. Um, what's going on there, uh, or you'd like to share your input or reflections or concerns on the World Pandemic Treaty, or whatever, whatever issue might be important to you. Um, I report every Monday on ukcolumn.org. That's my regular gig now. Uh, you can tune in for a lot of issues that I cover on there that I uh, either bring to RBN first and then to UKC or the other way around, but it provides kind of an audio and video outreach and UK Column, congratulations, has built a whole new office facility. They've put together a whole new office in the area of Plymouth, UK, and the southwestern part of that big island. And so hats off to UK Column for that achievement. Um, it's just more signs that UKC and RBN and so many in the alternative media are slowly but surely overtaking the mass media syndicate. And that, too is the issue that I never am going to be quiet about. It's the most important overriding thing, uh, just as the pandemic treaty is an uh, extremely important overriding concern right now. In the broader sense, the real overriding concern is that a very few stations, a very few outlets, a handful of people control the vast majority of what people read and hear and see in terms of their information. That has to change. We have to forgive this word, but it's adequate. We have to democratize the airwaves and the newsprint. The Internet, yes, is the beginning, is sort of the cornerstone for doing that. But it's not enough because too many people get lost in the unfathomable ghetto, the, the deep ocean of outlets within cyberspace, which is a very big place. And so... How do you rise to the top? How do you distinguish yourself? How do you stick out amongst the crowd? Well, we're all working on that. And as we get more influential, then world pandemic treaties will become a thing of the past for good. And that will be something we can really mark as a uh, example of achievement. So with that, I believe we're going into the first break. And uh, Hark, I hear the cannon roar, listening for the music. But uh, thanks for tuning in today, and uh, I'll be back after these messages with, with more and that contact information. Here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we have been building our online store. Well, we have been focusing on bringing you the best talk show host in the country. Here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we also want our listeners to have products they can use every day and in times of emergency. We have added new products each week to our store. Your support of this network, plus products at the best prices, is a win-win situation. Check out our new store. Go to our website, republicbroadcasting.org and click on the online store located at the top of our website. Together, we can continue to grow RBN and help our listeners prepare for the future. 
go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on our online store or call us. 800-724-2719, extension 3. 800-724-2719, extension 3. Extendivite really works. Just listen to what some people have to say. Several years ago, I was developing a very uh, severe situation. I called it my flippy heart. It was just was doing not good things. And I did not want to go to a medical doctor because uh, I just knew they would give me a cover-up pill. I didn't want to get onto that sort of thing at all. When I learned it was garlic and cayenne, and cayenne is a healer. It is a wonderful herb. I said, I think I'm on to something here. I'll tell you, I wouldn't be without it. It did wonderful things for me. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Call now. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Einstein once said, future medicine will be the medicine of frequencies. What did he know? Imagine you hear ocean waves caressing a beach or a favorite song from the past or the trickle of the babbling brook. All of these are sound frequencies that positively affect us. Terahertz is a soothing healing frequency that has been proven to resonate at the same frequency as healthy cells. It penetrates the body and stimulates new healthy cell growth Want to diminish muscle aches, joint pains, and experience a greater sense of well-being? Tired of spending money on short-term remedies that never seem to work? Soothing, healing, relaxing terahertz frequency is now available and as handy as flipping a switch. Terahertz technology is changing the course of what we were taught about how to maintain our health and well-being. To learn more about this amazing breakthrough, go to naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. Every day we roll from town to town We see another mom and papa just getting shut down And it's the same five stores everywhere we go And it's the same damn music on the radio And welcome to the next segment of Stop the Presses. Your host, Mark Anderson, 11 October 2023. It's a Wednesday. It's hump day. And in the first segment, I outlined the sheer importance of learning more about and ultimately defeating the adoption of the World Pandemic Accord or instrument, which is really a treaty. And that's why you need to call your U.S. Senator, even if you're not accustomed to doing so, even if you don't think it's all that much worth your while, do it anyway. A really good one to do that for is Senator Ron Johnson, one of the two U.S. senators from Wisconsin. Early on, to his credit, he brought out how this is a treaty. We need to treat it as such. And that way the Senate can give its full consent and have a full debate on this. And I happen to know those numbers off the top of my head. Uh, top of my head, excuse me. You can call the Capitol Hill switchboard at 202 224 3121 or 202-225-3121 and ask for any U.S. House member or U.S. Senator's office and uh, register your opinion, say you're so-and-so from such-and-such and and that you, if you agree with what I'm saying, that is, if you uh, 
if this is if you're so inclined to do this, I should add that uh, make those calls and um, that you're aware that there's a world pandemic treaty. Make sure to use that word being cooked in the kitchens in Geneva. Uh, the intergovernmental negotiating body is doing it and that you don't believe that treaty will serve any purposes uh, whatsoever. Um, and, uh, of course, you can mention the working group of the international health regulations and the IHR, which are on a parallel track, and that, again, if you're so inclined to believe what I'm saying and you want to get involved, then you can also say that you also share very grave concerns about the regulations uh, in tandem, in, in conjunction with the treaty, and that the deadline to finalize the treaty is May of 2024. Now, I'll mention that the delegates that are trying to skirt the rules, like I mentioned, on Article 55 of the International Health Regulations, and not give the required four months for state parties to review the regs, those that are saying this, that want to skirt the rules on 55, are also expressing doubts, to a degree at least, that they can make the May 2024 deadline to get the regs done, to get the treaty done. So... Although it might take them longer, that could also be a ploy of some kind. Uh, it's better to err on the side of caution and, and actually um, assume, unless you hear otherwise, just safely assume that they're going to shoot for that May 2024 deadline for the regs and for the treaty. And so call Capitol Hill 202-224-3121 or 202-225-3121. I'll put those numbers in the show's description for today. And a couple of websites, a article I put up, a preliminary one at thetruthhound.com. That's thetruthhound.com. That's my blog. And uh, also some very important information that I'll share um, right now, actually. I, I'm, I'm just looking at it here. I uh, beg your pardon. This is some contact info. I'll repeat this after the bottom of the hour station ID. This is the phone number, and he doesn't mind me giving this out, to James Roguski, R like Roger, O-G-U-S-K-I, Roguski. And his number, 310-619-3055. Again, 310-619-3055. Um, he's in, of course, West Coast time. He's in L.A. His blog is jamesroguski.com substack.com that's jamesroguski.substack.com his email is james.roguski r-o-g-u-s-k-i at gmail.com uh, he can give you further insights on how to get involved who to call what to do and his blog that I mentioned there uh, his substack jamesroguski.substack.com has a plethora of information and some very informative videos, most of them relatively brief videos, too. So you can get a lot of good information in a relatively short period of time, get up to speed, get informed, and then get involved. This is a really, really critical thing, and um, that will enable me here to wind up this segment of today's Stop the Presses. And uh, I'll have other matters here to discuss after the bottom of the hour. Uh, really kind of a myriad of things, and of course your calls on the WHO treaty, on perhaps what's going on in Israel if you want to go there, or other matters, whatever they may be. 
your calls would be welcome. You can go to republicbroadcasting.org to get all the call-in numbers. There are several. And, of course, that's a very good website in its own right. Lots of headlines. I haven't posted anything new in a while. I'll try to post an article there as well about the pandemic treaty situation. Right now I have one at thetruthound.com and soon to have a longer one with more details at ukcolumn.org. So with that, I'll be back. See you in a minute after the bottom of the hour. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard, and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. DrinkSuperTea.com. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back, uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, 
you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. second half of stop the presses it's 3 33 p.m here in eastern time i happen to be in michigan at this time uh, a very pretty but rather chilly day here um but clear blue skies and quite pleasant great sleeping weather it's the 11th of october of course 2023 i'm on an outdoor patio and uh, you might hear the occasional automobile possibly but not too much background noise here and anyway, I've covered sufficiently the World Pandemic Treaty situation and the international health regulations, some of the contact info. Getting involved is very important at this point in time. And um, I believe we still have the call-in number, 512-248-8252. I know Julie will correct me if I'm wrong, 512-248-8252. And the other numbers and means of communication, of course, are at republicbroadcasting.org to call in or just to listen to the show in real time or listen to past shows in the archive. It's quite the library. Anyway, an important matter that I've been doubling down on, I tend to specialize on certain issues and certain subject matter, and I don't try to be a jack-of-all-trades. Some journalists do, some journalists don't. Uh, I don't try to be. There are certain things that I try to excel in. One is elections. Another is monetary reform. Another is the global cities movement, and there are others. But another important announcement is that soon I'll have a video interview posted at ukcolumn.org, and I'll try and get that um, shuffled over to RBN as well. And that interview is of Garland Favrito. Now, he's been on RBN before as a guest, and Garland really does Yalman's work in exposing the extreme vulnerabilities of our election system. And when he does so, it makes crystal achingly clear how much the media is covering up and lying about this issue. It's just endless. And uh, that will be fully explained, as you'll hear if you care to tune in, of course, once that interview with Garland me being the interviewer, of course, once that's posted at ukcolumn.org, and I'll make a link available at republicbroadcasting.org as well. Um, that interview is really kind of a, a real turning point, in my humble opinion. Uh, Garland does a very good job of explaining it. I did my best to ask the right questions and help facilitate explaining just how vulnerable and compromised elections are and just how treacherous and irresponsible the media is at calling everybody that raises questions about elections deniers and nutcases and baseless conspiracy theories and unsubstantiated this and unsubstantiated that. Well, Garland's got the goods. Now, granted, he is the co-founder of 
VoterGA.org, Voters Organized for Trusted Election Results in Georgia, and it focuses mostly on the state of Georgia. But the anomalies that he has found and the clear instances of manipulation that he has uncovered easily apply to other states, and especially if those other states have been using the same or similar dominion systems that Georgia has been using. Um, So if Trump actually won Georgia in November 2020, which by all indications he did, then you extrapolate that out. It doesn't matter with whether you like Trump or not. We're just talking about who won the football game, okay? You don't have to like the team that won. But Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Wisconsin, these other pivotal bellwether states here, the other pivotal states and problem states, you might say, from that November 2020 presidential national election, all of them may be discernible in terms of the election theft and election manipulation that went on there. In other words, what went on in Georgia could very well be a reading glass or a a portal into what happened at these other states. So this is something that the powers that be or the powers that shouldn't be, whatever you want to call them, desperately, I repeat, desperately don't want to be known. They have every finger and every dike you can think of, and the water just keeps coming, and it's only a matter of time before elections are exposed for what they are, and that is an exercise in deception to make the people think they're consenting to something that they actually have no control over. And that is just the blunt truth of it. There's no way to sugarcoat the situation. And there's a press release here. I'll share some of this. Again, I'll take calls today, and uh, we'll uh, see how that goes. Uh, Just checking a couple systems here while we go along. And... Uh, begging your pardon for just a moment. But at any rate, uh, some of the other issues, well, actually that same issue, let's not get ahead of myself. Here is a press release from Voter GA. And Voter GA, this is back in June. This is kind of when the latest stuff really started heating up. Voter GA tells Brad Raffensperger, that's the Secretary of State of the State of Georgia, unseal all ballots or unplug the system. Dated Atlanta, Georgia, June 28th, Voter GA announced today, at that time, that it's calling on Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, sometimes Riley referred to as Raffi, to unplug the Dominion voting system found by expert witness Dr. Alex Halderman to have grossly inadequate security controls. Voter GA co-founder Garland Favrito released a detailed statement to explain the problem and the solutions. Quote, the recently unsealed Halderman security analysis, which I have read, ladies and gentlemen, explains that the Dominion voting system was not designed, not engineered, nor was it tested with the necessary security provisions and cannot, I repeat, cannot be retrofitted to satisfactorily include them. 
We at Voter GA have wholeheartedly promoted similar viewpoints for years. Secretary Raffensperger, they're alleging, has misled legislators and county election officials by touting an unsigned, get that, unsigned MITRE report, M like Mark, I-T like Tom, R-E, M-I-T-R-E, MITRE report, that was funded by Dominion and produced without access to the voting system. It has been discredited by 29 experts, computer science, on grounds that the entire report is based on a, quote, ridiculous false assumption that all necessary physical controls cannot be compromised. Going on from there, no patch will ensure our voting system is secure because the secretary continues to fight to keep the paper ballots it produces secret. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, we have an open vote casting, but we have a secret vote counting. Moving on, our scanners are as unsecure as the ballot marking devices and more dangerous because they control what is tabulated. The Halderman analysis, Dr. Halderman's from the University of Michigan, shows our scanners were set to accept photocopied ballots. Evidence shows photocopies were scanned and accepted in both the 2020 and 2022 elections. We also determined thousands of low-resolution Dominion ballot images were electronically altered prior to 2020 certification. And as I read, ladies and gentlemen, it just keeps getting deeper and darker and more disturbing by the moment. Moving on, the obvious solution to this problem is to unplug Georgia from the voting system. Voters must cast hand-marked paper ballots on security-grade paper hand-counted in public at the polling locations. This has been talked about on this show before. The secretary, the letter continues, to do this, excuse me, the secretary refuses to do this, the letter continues, because he purchased this system. That system is unverifiable to the voter. And get this, and it was declared illegal by the U.S. District Court prior to the 2020 election. Get that. The system, this Dominion system used by the state of Georgia, is unverifiable to the voter, and it was declared illegal by the U.S. District Court prior to the 2020 election. That is huge. That is huge. If Secretary Raffensperger continues refusing to unplug this system, and given the timing of this, he has refused, the only other solution is to unseal all paper ballots the system has produced and will produce in the future. Publicly available ballots are necessary to verify electronic results and detect counterfeit ballots as soon as results are certified. And of course, with the huge surge of mail-in ballots during the COVIDocracy, counterfeit ballots became a prime concern. Therefore, we call upon Secretary Raffensperger to immediately request superior courts statewide in Georgia, in Georgia to unseal all paper ballots for the 2020, 2022, and 2024 elections. I'll read that one again. 
we call upon Secretary Raffensperger to immediately request Superior Court statewide to unseal all paper ballots for the 2022 and 2020 and 2024 elections. Georgians deserve honest proof of secure, transparent elections. And that's just the press release, ladies and gentlemen. The, the research that was done by Halderman himself and accented and um, um, uh, aided along and, and uh, analyzed by, by Garland Favrito, the co-founder of Voter GA, that stuff itself is extremely powerful and extremely revealing. Now, I believe we have a caller. Um, I'll go ahead and take that call. And Sherry from Kansas, you're calling. Hi, Mark. Hello. Um, I've got a name for you for someone who's currently involved in a uh, a case, uh, election case in um, Pennsylvania. And this guy's a computer expert, and I heard him a few weeks ago talking about this, and he's really sharp. Would you like the name? Sure. It's okay to share it on the air? Yeah. Okay, go uh, ahead. The guy is Gregory Sinstrom, and I believe Sinstrom is spelled uh, S-E-N-S-T-R-O-M, as in mother. And his his website uh, is Patriot Online. And I'm sorry, but I'm not sure what the suffix is on that. Um, the last name is Sandstrom, uh, S-E-N-S-T-R-O-M? Yes, I believe that's correct. And that's patriotonline.whatever. Yeah. But he is, and, he's a really sharp guy, and uh, apparently he's uh, he's been... You know, the court on this kind of stuff before, he's actually more like one of these experts that they have look into this stuff. But he's really sharp. So he would be a good uh, person to maybe interview either on this show or your other show that you do on the U.K. column. Yeah, the what's amazing about this, and as I talked to Garland about, is the links that the state of Georgia, particularly Raffensperger, must be going to to keep this from exploding, to keep this from coming out full bore. The, the evidence of chicanery and theft and manipulation is absolutely sky high in Georgia. Yeah, uh, my, it sounds like it from just hearing you, the shows that you've had with him on before. I mean, these people are just brazen. It's it's amazing. I, I can't imagine even living with myself, much less being a secretary of state of a major, uh, you know, uh, jurisdiction like the state of Georgia. And, um, you know, just to give you a for instance, um, there's something called adjudication in the computer system. And I don't claim to understand this totally, but you're only supposed to be able to adjudicate, that is, verify or confirm a given ballot at about one per second. In other words, each period of one or two seconds, you can verify a ballot as it goes through the electronic labyrinth here. But Garland found evidence of 10 ballots being validated or adjudicated in a single second of time. 
Yeah, and there's no way. Right, and that's just the beginning. Um, there's also a, a firm or company that we've heard of somewhat when Trump and Rudy Giuliani and others began to raise Cain before they were accused of being conspirators when they were actually what they actually are, inquisitors, people asking questions according to their First Amendment rights. Um, and now they're trying to keep Trump off the ballot in myriad states when he has not been convicted of insurrection. They're saying he's an insurrectionist, but he's not a convict. There's been no sentencing. There's been no conviction. So how can they get him off the ballot? Whose chain are they pulling here, right? But from there, the, um, the situation is such where you have Seitel, it's, it's spelled, it, this was brought up, S-C-Y-T-L, Seitel, or however you say it, it's spelled S-C-Y-T-L, it's a company, and they have an affiliate, and Garland has a chart where before the votes reach the Secretary of State, coming from the various counties, and the various counties, of course, within them, within each state, have the voting stations, the polling stations, so the counties collect those from all the polling stations within their within their borders, and those votes are sent to the Secretary of State through kind of this electronic labyrinth. But Seidel and its affiliates intercept that data before it gets to um, media and before it gets to the Secretary of State. And it's completely opaque as to what they're doing with that data. Well, yeah. How do, I mean, how, is, how do they, uh, as far as, why do they even have access to that? Are they being well, I, paid for some kind of service? Well, this is, this is it. Um, what possible good could they do to the public for doing that? And I'm sure they have some sort of ostensible service, like we do this, we do that, you know. But it's very, very opaque, very, very non-transparent as to what's going on there. And, um, but of course, we're supposed to be labeled, you know, social misfits for even asking these questions. Um, so, again, what I'm talking about now are just tiny pieces of the puzzle that Dr. Alex Hallerman of the University of Michigan has put together. He was able, and, and Garland will explain this much more in my upcoming UK column interview with him, and that, that should be posted within about a week. He'll, um, this Halderman went in front of a congressional committee years ago, and they set up a mock election, and he stole and completely um, wormholed the election right in front of him. He was able to hack in and completely change the results. Was this like in front of the uh, committee of the legislature, or where, where did, who did he uh, show this to? Uh, so a, how you a, could US, do a U.S. House committee uh, witnessed him in real time, steal a, an election. Now, it wasn't a real election, but they set, they set it up just like a real election would would be. And evidently, the computers don't know the difference. So you turn them on, you tell the computers there's an election. Well, there's an election, right? So he was able, and Garland explains it far better than I, he was able to completely demolish that election. And another interesting point is... In DeKalb County in 2022, there was a local election, and the machines completely botched it. And when they did a hand count recount, they, they verified it with a hand count. 
they found that the machines had completely miscalculated the people's votes. And that's just on the local level. In other words, the hand count got the real results, and, and the computer results were nothing like the hand count. Well, and that makes you think there's there's something inside. They've got some, some programming inside the machine to do that. Uh, exactly. Um, according to Halderman, and I've heard this before, and this demolishes kind of a myth that the media tries to promote. The media will try to say, well, if this ever happens... It's done through external hacking. And what Haldeman is saying is that you can physically uh, invade or hack the computers or the, the fix can already be in within the software. Yeah, and, uh, and if, it, if it has a, a wireless modem in it, they can hack it that way too, right? Are these yeah. machines even supposed to have a wireless modem? Um, or not have it, one? It sure seems to me that they ought not to. And um, But at any rate, the bottom line is you can have physical, you know, electronic intervention, or you can just have the fix being in within the software itself. And, of course, the software is proprietary. It's a trade secret. It's a corporate, it's intellectual property over which the corporations that, that use and produce that software, they have, you know, copyright protection. And so... The election officials, as I understand it, are not brought up to speed on the detailed inner workings of the software. They're only taught how to run the machines, turn it on, do a, a brief verification protocol, and away away you go. You know, vote, 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 and people are none the wiser. Yeah, and, I remember uh, years ago when I first started hearing about this, and this was back at the, the Collier Brothers, and the only reason I found out about them was when I used to listen to Tom Valentine on shortwave yeah. and then also yeah. uh, yes. the, the spotlight. And um, one thing I remember in, in all of the reading is that a lot of, of these, uh, the military, um, you know, or CIA or something has their hands in this, this voting equipment. Or maybe they yeah. just sat on, you know, boards. Um, that could very well be likely. I, I'm not going to say definitively that's the case. And we have to let you go, Sherry, in a moment because okay. it's, it's time to end the show. But thanks for the spirited conversation and the important input on Mr. San, uh, Sandstrom. I appreciate that. And I'll, right. I'll just kind of, yeah, thank you for calling. I'll, I'll sign care. out, but I'll, I'll comment on what you said. It certainly wouldn't surprise RBN listeners if intelligence is involved in some way, shape, or form with elections. If they are, and many would say it's highly likely they are, but if they are, the purpose would be, of course, to keep the American people in kind of an intellectual and spiritual box. You've got to keep the people who are under a shadow tyranny believing that their system is still sacrosanct and operational and functional and doing what it's supposed to do. Um, if you have an a unelected oligarchy or selected oligarchy, there's a difference, of course, between a selection and an election. And if that needs to be sustained for purposes of nefarious power politics, then you simply can't let the peasants know what's going on. So you would have the media do what it does now, protect the government from blowback and insist 
over and over again that anybody that questions elections is a nutcase. There's not a single shred of evidence. Uh, they're conspiracy theorists. They've got a whole closet full of tinfoil hats and so on and so forth. But if you look at work like that of Garland and others, the Collier brothers, uh, Sherry brought up, they did a lot of early work on this, pioneering, really. Uh, if you look at that, going back to the beginning of, of computerization of elections and so on, um, and you study it long enough, you can't help but come to the conclusion that elections are a major deception. And um, there are broader questions about elections that I won't go into right now. Even if they were honest, would we have good government? Well, we'd have a better chance at it, but it would be no guarantee of constitutionally sound, good government. But at least we'd have a slightly better chance at it. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. I'll put some helpful info uh, on the archive here at republicbroadcasting.org. Stay tuned for the next show here on RBN, and we'll see you next week, probably again with Ron Avery. If you're listening, Ron, have a good day. Everybody have a good day, and we'll see you next time. beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead shilajee hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilajit by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shiloji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shiloji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.